Okay, welcome back entrepreneurs. It's Alex here with eFlunky, your entrepreneur's field guide. And today we're going to be talking about the past, present, and future. Um, hands, uh, I'm sorry, feet in, hands in, head in, and all in approach to doing business. Now, I'm going to be taking it way back when. Um, when I was just a little boy, um, hustling lollipops to my friends, also hustling chips and hustling uh, little quarter waters to my friends, to my thirsty and hungry uh, little friends. And I remember uh, seeing a need and trying to fill that need. And ever since I was very young, I've always been able to uh, to capitalize on those types of trends and only to evolve eventually over time into more of a, more of a, uh, uh, from a feet in approach which is pretty much just, you know, a door-to-door salesman approach and kind of just, you know, walking the beat and, and seeing really what is needed and what people are asking for um, from in the local community. And I remember graduating, you know, slowly but surely, and there, were, there really was no one point. There really was no pinnacle, you know, to this process. It just kind of was an evolutionary process where, I seen a need and I kind of capitalized on that need. And ever since I was very young, and I remember being, you know, uh, six, seven, and eight years old, you know, selling candy to my friends, going down to the local store, to the local corner store, and buying, um, you know, little bags of candy, and then dividing it and selling each piece, you know, uh, uh, each piece as a unit on its own, and then taking that money, um, which typically I made double the amount of money that I uh, originally spent. Sometimes even more, depending on uh, depending on the demand. Uh, if I was the only one in the neighborhood that had candy, then I most definitely uh, capitalized on that and I sold um, the candy at a higher price. And of course, that was my little uh, my little uh, first venture into capitalism. And uh, since then, I kind of just had the bug, the entrepreneurial bug, to you know see a need and to fill that need. As the great movie that I love. Um, that I love to put on for my children, which is robots. <laughs> That's an awesome movie about a robot who isn't quite a salesperson, but is a, is a, an architect or a designer and decides to get out of the small town um, that he was in. Of, I think it was like Copperton or whatever it was, some small town name. And he wanted to go to the city and become something better, become something bigger than himself, become something um you know, almost like a, a bigger than life uh, persona. And he had this one um, designer slash um, architect robot who inspired him the most. And I remember his name was Big Weld. And he was his inspiration. And he's the reason why he went to the big city in the first place to learn, to gain him as a mentor. And I remember I didn't really have too many mentors like this when I was young. So what I did was I just found that need. I found that little niche of selling things that people needed and, I, and, and nothing more than candy and treats did, um, did you know, little kid expect. So um, did little kids expect. So therefore, I seen that and I capitalized on that and eventually graduated into a more hands-on approach, which was, you know, acquiring, um, acquiring uh, uh, merchandise or acquiring, should I say, um, inventory, I guess is really what I'm trying to get down to. You know, so I remember buying these uh, these things by the by the packages, by the boxes, and having them, you know, for people to to come and purchase them from my house or from my backpack or wherever I was. You know, I remember bringing these things to school and and having people always coming up to me and asking me if um if if I had any candy or if I had any sweets or anything like that. And I remember just hustling my little butt off, just making you know those little those little uh, bits of uh, of change. You know, it all added up actually pretty quickly. Um, and I was grateful enough to experience being sold out of uh, products and items for uh, my fellow students, or should I say for my fellow alum. I don't even know what the heck that, I don't even know what I, what I just said. Anyway, so um, then that kind of brought me into the later on in life. And again, that, that hands-on approach, I kind of took that, um, I kind of took that into, you know, grade school, the later, uh, the later years of grade school and, and a little into middle school. And that's when I kind of got more into, um, into purchasing, uh, large ticket items that I realized, like, uh, some of these, um, 
a lot of my friends had, you know, money, the lunch monies that they would, they would, uh, collect or they would have, you know, some form of, um, of allowance that they would, um, have at the end of the week. And they would have a lot more money than, you know, the little chump change that I was collecting from selling bags of candy. And I realized that they, their needs were a little more, um, uh, a luxury that they, they, they kind of gravitated more towards luxury items. And, and when you're in middle school, luxury items are considered like video games and collectible cards and, you know, other things like that, a yo-yos or whatever it was, it was, um, or, or even sometimes even cell phones or cell phone accessories. And these are the things that I ended up purchasing and reselling, redistributing uh, uh, to my, um, my, my classmates. And I remember just, you know, going from there into purchasing, um, cell phones and I would buy them sometimes two or three, four at a time. And I would even find other friends who were selling items that I couldn't turn, you know, sell for profit. And it's always been like that. And, um, even for services as well, I also provided services. Um, some of the services I provided were fixing bikes. Um, that was a big one, fixing bikes and rollerblades and skateboards. I remember taking these things apart and, um, either, uh, re, um, reinstalling new tape decks, um, onto, I'm sorry, not, not new tape decks, new, uh, new, um, oh geez, I forget what they're called now, but they're, they're the, the, the grip tapes, uh, reinstalling or taking off and reinstalling grip tapes and trucks and even bearings and wheels for the skateboards and bearings and wheels for rollerblades and, you know, everything on a, on a bike, you know, from its handlebars to its brakes to the gyros, which I don't think they even, I'm pretty, pretty sure they still have those either way, um, new, uh, goosenecks and seats and, you know, tires. And, you know, I, I remember doing everything. So I provided not only products, but I also provided services. And I realized that I could, you know, make a profit by, uh, keeping or selling, um, some of these products as accessories. Like, you know, for instance, on a bike, I would keep some tools, uh, some extra tubes at home, um, different sizes, mostly, for the 24 inch bikes that, um, that most of my friends were riding. So I remember just keeping and having extra tubes just in case somebody needed them because most of my friends couldn't go to the store and buy it anyway. So I would find myself, you know, collecting these tubes and collecting, uh, tires and rims and, and bike seats and handlebars. And I remember just having an inventory of used parts, you know, just sitting around to be traded and sold. And I remember, um, more than anything else, because I did this, I not only had a little extra money in my pocket, but I was also able to have the best, the best bike on the block or the best rollerblades or the best skateboard. And I remember enjoying that so much. Um, it was so, it was so fulfilling to be able to, you know, provide other people who needed certain products and certain services. It, it was, it felt really good to be able to serve people. And, you know, that's just kind of how the, the entrepreneurial bug just kept biting. And from there, you know, I kind of graduated into the more heads-in approach, which is, you know, getting studious about my my uh, my endeavors, learning what business is, learning different lingo, learning, you know, how to, you know, calculate, you know, uh, the the ROIs, or learning how to better manage inventory, or learning how to um, maintain personnel, and you know, and and I and all the while, not only did I, you know, have these little side hustles as I was growing up. I also had jobs that, um, that were very directed towards the things that I were, that I was, in, that, that I was directly um, associated with or, or into. Um, I remember having a little, uh, uh, a little job at a bike shop that was actually around, um, around, it was, it was a little bit of a way off from where I lived, but it was still local, not local or accessible to my friends who most of the time couldn't uh, cross the street at that point, which, you know, I was, I was roughly about 14 years old. And yeah, I know when I say cross the street, I mean, cross the town. That's where I was going. Um, luckily I, I, um, I had a little more leniency in my household and, you know, I was always out and about and always, you know, always very active. And I found myself, you know, doing part-time jobs like that. And also eventually landing myself a few jobs you know, with a, uh, in a donut shop and, and also another job that I had around, um, around 16 years old, but actually was the donut shop. I actually got that job when I was 15 and a half and I worked there for about three years, but all the while I was still providing, you know, I was still purchasing uh, products to be sold, um, <laughs> for resale. I remember taking a few trips up to, you know, the next state or the state line 
Um, I live in Boston, so I was going up to New Hampshire and I was uh, purchasing fireworks for um, for my potential clients. And I remember even going down to you know Chinatown and and uh, and purchasing some under the table uh, fireworks as well. And of course, this is all you know not so legal, should I say? But um, you know, when you're young, you kind of just you, you kind of put yourself in that position where sometimes you acquire or you do business that isn't quite, um, let's say, it, it isn't quite, uh, how can I say, without, uh, let's see, yeah, anyway, you get what I'm trying to say. My point is, um, I took advantage of every corner. You know, wherever money was to be made, I, I tried my best to fill in that gap. And I loved fulfilling, you know, needs. And that was really where, where I discovered my entrepreneurial spirit, you know, and I started going to work for myself at a very young age. And, and, um, again, when I, when I had that job at the donut shop, I was actually having other jobs as well. Not only was I purchasing, you know, and reselling certain items, but, uh, I was also doing other things like maintenance work and construction and building things, um, as well. And really about the age of 11 is when I started doing, um, more hands-on things like construction. And I learned for the first time that I could make a good sum of money, and this was at 11 years old, a good sum of money when um, when you provide that type of service. Uh, like, uh, uh, I remember my first job being 11 years old was a demolition job that I had. I got hired by my uncle, and he uh, wanted me to tear down a few walls in the house. And I know, I was 11 years old, but I was also very active. I was a football player for many years. Um, I played Papa Warner, and I was a, actually a very good, uh, I, I, I made MVP a few times in, in my Papa Warner, um my pop on a district. And, um, I was, you know, kind of hefty, kind of, you know, well built for a, a young boy and, um, demolition came natural to me because I, again, with football is very aggressive and I was very forward. And, um, I loved that, that process. And I learned that not only could I enjoy doing, you know, that type of job or that type of work, but I can get paid for it. I remember exactly. It was $200 that I got paid for that one job. It was one day's worth of work and it blew my mind because up until that point, I was only making a few dollars at a time, you know, but then I got that $200 and it wasn't a paycheck. It was straight cash to my hand. And I remember being so excited. Like I didn't know what to do with myself. You know, I didn't even know at that point how much inventory that I could buy with, with all that money because I never really had to calculate um, that far into the, uh, into the future or it should I say, I never had that much capital at once. Um, so with that being said, you know, I, I learned a very valuable, um, a very valuable thing that day, which was, you know, you can make a lot of money within a short amount, within a short amount of time, you know, and you don't have to break your back every single day to, you know, make a little bit of change. And that's the one moment that's that, that little moment right there changed the rest of my life. Um, and since then I, you know, dedicated time to learning how to, you know, to really, carve out some skills for myself in, in that area um, of expertise, you know, so I became a carpenter. I became, um, a, a, in many ways, a contractor. Uh, I learned how to do everything. I mean, I still, to this day, you know, I have a very, um, a very uh, high interest in, in creating things. And I even got to the point where I was studying. And again, that brings me to my, my third point, which was the, you know, the hand, the, the heads in approach. I started to study, I started to you know, really um, study people and, and, and learn the environment and, and see, you know, how everything was unfolding before my eyes as, as far as, um, as far as, you know, learning how, how to, how to pretty much learning a trade, right? That's, that's really what I'm trying to say. And with that, I learned that I don't need to keep products. I don't need to keep merchandise that I can simply just use my skills, the things that were inside my brain. Uh, my skills and, and, and those types of talents that I, that I developed, you know, and, and make money doing that, you know, and that was the first time that I really realized like, holy crap, I don't need merchandise in order to make money. You can make even more money with, you know, just having the right state of mind and just, you know, being well prepared. And since then I have been very studious in, uh, in, in my business endeavors and, you know, really trying to carve out some niches. And not just one niche, a bunch of different niches as to, you know, what, what type of market and what direction I want to go in and what's going to be the most valuable um, bang for my buck 
as far as my uh, my study hours. And I did, you know, and still to this day, I remember my first business that I really kind of like failed in was, um, it was a t-shirts company. And I remember when I first started it, I had just, uh, I had just got out of my first semester of college and we had to do a report uh, on marketing. And I remember having this analyst, this, this man who was my professor, he was an analyst uh, for Gillette and a couple of few other companies. He was telling us, but most prominently, he was with an analyst with Gillette. He was talking about and all that stuff. And, and he pretty much, you know, he pretty much put us in a position in the state of mind that, you know, hey, you too can also achieve the same success that companies like Gillette and those CEOs that, that are on that higher tier can, you know, achieve. But you have to know what you're doing and you have to be prepared and you have to surround yourself with those types of people who have the information and dig for the information that you um, that you don't know how to. And I remember that prompted me in, in, in my search for, you know, wisdom when it came down to trying to transform myself from an entrepreneur into a business owner. And that's when I established my first company. Um, I wrote a report and everything. I wrote a report. I did a business plan. You know, I even, you know, did all the research that I needed to market research and all that stuff. I did it all on my own. And, and, um, you know, I, I started this company called Third Day Fit. You know, and I even got, you know, I went so far as doing the, uh, I got the logo all set. I got the trademark all, um, all set. I had the, uh, and this was when I was, uh, how old was I here? I was about 22 years old. And, you know, I had these ideas, this design for these ideas and this, you know, this type of merchandise that I wanted to create because again, I didn't want to buy and resell merchandise at this point. I wanted to manufacture my own. So I started talking with designers and I started talking with, you know, graphic artists and, you know, I started to talk to other, you know, business owners and I started to really, you know, dig in, dig my heels in to try to discover, you know, what the potential was for this particular um, market. And it just so happened that that was around the same time that the trend was um, growing for t-shirt companies, which became very successful. And one of the most prominent ones was the Ed Hardy and uh, eventually the uh, also the Johnny Cupcake was another very popular one in my area of um, of uh, Metro Boston. So um, you know these were influences of mine that I kind of seen the uh, the success story unfolding. You know, and it was pretty close to home. So I started to realize, like, wow, you know, why can't it be? Why can't I be a part of that success story? And you know, I didn't. My mistake was I didn't do too much market research into my competitors. I just did basic research and general research in regards to, you know, what the market was and who were, who would the competition was not, ex not exactly, you know, how they were executing or their numbers or how many, you know, units were being manufactured versus being sold. And, you know, not how many, you know, how many returns. And these are not numbers that I would, you know, would have had, you know, readily had access to, but, um, these are questions that I never really asked myself until later on once I started to fail. And when I say when I started to fail, I mean, I bought thousands of dollars. Let's be realistic. $3,000 worth of um, inventory to start with. And these were my first line of shirts, which was about five to six shirts that I had. Um, some of them I printed in multicolor. Um, and I started from one. And my biggest mistake was, you know, I went from one shirt and into trying to develop or trying to sell and market six shirts at one time, not realizing how difficult it was just to uh, market one. So that was the biggest mistake I made, which was really not investing enough time in that one uh, design and kind of, you know, growing with that design and having that as my, you know, my flagship design. But um, from there I learned uh, because again, I still, you know, I, I, I ended up investing more in marketing the uh the brand and marketing the t-shirts than I did in actually you know selling them um you know I created an online store but that by that point by that time you know I just didn't have the the knowledge that it took to grow the business online I didn't have the you know the exposure I didn't have the talents let's just say or even the patience if I could be honest I just didn't have the patience after going through all the process you know um, I eventually discovered that not a lot of people will stay on board either, um, especially for a fledgling company, you know, and I know it's going to sound funny, but people actually want to get paid, right? So 
if you barely have enough, I remember most of the, uh, most of the, the profits that I made, uh, actually all of the profits that I made from the shirts ended up going into the design process and having the shirts, uh, being, be reprinted and not enough went into, you know, uh, keeping, you know, graphic designers or, or designers, uh, um, on board or even, you know, marketers or, you know, people to help me with the marketing. And now, you know, you have a lot of things that, at, um, now we have a lot of things at our disposal. We have things like, uh, virtual assistants. We also have, you know, um, all kinds of tools, you know, apps from apps to programs that help you manage your business. And it turns one entrepreneur or one business owner into, you know, five or six. And, it's amazing what you can do now versus what was available, you know, just shortly, you know, just a few short years ago or about five to six years ago. Um, you know, so with that being said, there was a heck of a lesson learned, you know, in, in making that investment and taking capital and kind of just bringing it out like a, you know, like, like a sponge on top of, you know, or should, should I say like a sponge onto the floor? Because, you know, I, I, to this point, I still can't say that I've made a strict profit or there really was no strict profit line that I could, um, that I could come up with in regards to selling t-shirts. Um, and that wasn't even including, you know, the, uh, the other things that I tried to establish. Like there were times where I did, um, purchase for resale hats and also pants and, you know, sweatshirts and other things to complement the, um, the products that I had that were, that were proprietary to my brand. Um, I also added other products to try to, um, influence sales or try to affect sales in regards to, you know, having more inventory available, having more, um, options for people to buy. But again, these were things that I kind of, you know, I learned too late. And before I knew it, you know, I kind of was just burnt out and still to this day, you know, I'm barely hanging on in, in terms of the third day fit, um, uh, company. And, I kind of, it kind of evolved into another company called Funfart, which now I sell creative t-shirts, you know, through that name and through that brand, um, just strictly t-shirts, you know, and, and from there, it just, I kind of, you know, at the same time, and mind you, I was still trying to manage having my, um, my construction company, my construction business and still trying to, you know, not only, um, make money doing that, but also trying to re, um, trying to reinvest into tools, into, into, uh, into learning how to do new, um, uh, new builds, tech, uh, new building techniques or learning new, um, new codes or whatever it was that I had to do that I had to take extra time out of that company, the third day fit company, the clothing company, and put it into the service company of, uh, of, um, SA, uh, it was SA Rua Improvements. So, you know, there was a, f there was a few things going on at the time that kind of divided me and I kind of was, uh, was spread too thin, I guess you can say. And that's not only <laughs> another thing too, is I also decided to want to write a book. So I just started, I started that process shortly after I started third day fit as well. So, um, there, there was a lot, there was a lot on my plate and there was a lot of things to, uh, to consider in the form of, uh, doing business and going into business for myself. And the biggest thing was I didn't realize how much of a freelancer I was and not so much a business. And I had the mentality of a freelancer and not so much as a business manager. And I think that was my biggest downfall is because I didn't really respect what it took to establish a business. Now, although I still took the time to manage my, um, my businesses, you know, generally, which was, you know, still trying to uh, implement the, the, the strategies, still implementing the business plans, you know, for, for all three of them. Um, when I say all three, I mean the SARU improvements, uh, construction company and also the third day fit clothing company, as well as the complementary publication, uh, company, which was, um, the self public, uh, self publication of the SARU publications. So, you know, it, it was a lot, but still all the while I was still, you know, writing the business plan. I was still researching and, and developing, you know, my skills and my business strategies. And still to this day, I am, um, intently focused on strategy and business and, and development. Um, and I kind of took a time off a little bit. Like I kind of took a step back and kind of wanted to see the bigger picture of things and to see what's going to be the most valuable thing for my time. And not so much in the terms of money, but also 
more in the terms of purpose. You know, I I feel like um, my uh, my purpose for doing construction uh, kind of left me in it kind of left me with a bad taste in my mouth because of the service business. Like anybody should know, um, it's a little difficult to manage on your own, being that you are the only one that has to not only provide great service, but you also have to provide great customer service. And then you also have to provide um, great, uh, how can I say, um, great, uh, you have to be very accessible, I guess you could say. You have to be uh, readily available at all times, as well as um, being very <laughs> uh, energetic. And this is where things could get a little long. And I'm sorry, I'm saying um a lot. I apologize for this, but so this is where things can get a little confusing because again, when you're spent in one area, like I was in the construction business, then it kind of rolls over into your other businesses as well. It rolls over into your clothing company because you're not, you know, you're you're so burnt out that you really don't have much time and energy to, uh, to focus and to kind of get those tasks done in, in, the other uh, company or, or the other endeavor or the other pro- or the other projects that you that you have yourself involved with, and then writing kind of took principle because uh, the process of writing was therapeutic for me. So I really dove into writing and I really tried to establish and I realized that the self development aspect of writing was the most beneficial thing for me at that point because I felt like I hit a wall with the construction company and I felt like I hit a wall with the clothing company. The clothing company was the first one to to really be put on the, the back burner, being that I ran out of resources, I ran out of capital. And that's not to say that that was the reason why I, um, I stopped doing it. It's just I was stretched too thin and I just didn't see the results that I wanted to see when I wanted them. And I pretty much told myself that I needed to just stop that one and completely and just you know focus on something else for now until... I had the right team around me where I, I could generate those ideas because the reality is I just ran out of ideas. I ran out of inspiration to really, you know, push that company into the future. And I really just didn't have the energy, you know, that it took to really develop Third Day Fit into the company that I wanted it to be, you know. But still, all the while, I've, I, I, I take notes and, you know, I still reflect on the business plan and I'm just not in the state of mind of executing my um those goals right now uh so with that being said i kind of just left that alone and i kind of just stuck with the t-shirts you know whatever t-shirts that i had developed whatever t-shirts that were already in print you know i kind of just kept those rotating and you know i'm still to this day you know it kind of it kind of uh third day fit kind of drifted into uh what i shouldn't say it drifted it kind of got put on the back burner and i replaced it with a simpler company with a simpler strategy and a, sim- and a, and a more simple system um, to be implemented uh, and opposed to the you know multi-step and multi-layered process of developing a clothing company I just I simply just took one piece of it and chunked it apart and just took the t-shirts from it and I started to to do a graphic t-shirt company which was fun fart and now I'm still managing that um that graphic t-shirt company and it's still a lot of work don't get me wrong it's, it still takes a heck of a lot of work. Um, and also, uh, I also um, am still currently learning uh, construction, still, you know, going through it. Now, I kind of shifted gears. I don't do it so much as a, as a strictly as a service company anymore. I do installations, but I kind of leave it to furniture making now. So now it's it's more niche. Now it's more, more um, of, a, of a carpentry type of uh, business. And that's kind of where I kept that one. So again, I chunked that apart, the the multi-layered and multifaceted, you know, general contracting, you know, system and, um, and, and strategy. And I kind of chunked it down into many pieces. And I, I kind of, you know, as a result, I kind of was left with this, you know, carpentry aspect of construction. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's better for me. It suits my speed as of right now, because again, I kind of, dove in too far and you know i kind of burnt myself out and now you know i have i have a little bit of uh i guess you could say like ptsd every time i consider 
trying to um, trying to do any type of uh, either clothing venture or, or anytime I hear somebody talk about clothing, <laughs> like I get this type of like PTSD about it. And another one is the uh, the construction is you know there's a lot of things that go into it that a lot of people don't consider. And I just I was crazy. That's 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 what it was. I didn't see it at the time because I was so ambitious that I thought I could manage these three different uh, types of companies. But in reality, it just wasn't going to happen. Um, because again, I had to find out the hard way and end up burning myself out. But investment wise, uh, it wasn't too much of a loss for the construction company because most of it was just time spent learning. Um, and because it was mostly the skills aspect of it, I didn't really lose too much money because I didn't put myself through uh, training. I just worked for other companies. I learned how to do um, certain uh, certain uh, technical jobs. and. You know, that was kind of like the hands-on experience aspect of it. That was just like, you know, the, the complete service. So the only thing that I really, and I can't say that I lost too much on the, the investment aspect of it, but the tools is something that I will always have, you know, and the tools is still something that I go through. I still practice with them. I still, you know, I polish up my, my skills with the tools, you know, and, and I have like, just like a, a whole, like I, I can make a workshop with the amount of tools that I still have, but uh, it's something that I kind of just don't, I don't see, um, I don't see the, 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 the growth and the potential there, uh, at least not right now. And it's something that I could eventually teach. You know, it's something that I could eventually hold workshops and do things like this. And these are things that I've already suggested, you know, especially in this day and age with YouTube and online courses, you know, everybody loves to be able to learn through the, through that online and through that visual experience. And, you know, it's always something that's, that's in the future, but as for right now, it's something that I'm kind of putting on hold. But what I did, what I did learn, um, was through the study aspect of it, being studious and learning all the different assets, you know, all the different aspects of, you know, of, of doing construction. I learned that there's other things that you could do as well. And I remember, um, speaking to a few people and, and um, we were talking about like computer programming. We we're talking about technology and stuff like this. And these are things that really intrigued me because these are things that I was into as a as a kid. Like I, I learned how to um, how to meld and, and solder circuit boards and and stuff like that, and learned how to take things apart, electrical components, and and also fuse them together and make hybrid uh, devices and and other things like this. And and I remember being so intrigued with technology that. Uh, my, my idea was to learn how to do it. And that's, you know, when I was about 27 years old, I really dove into trying to learn how to uh, code and do programming and, and make video games. Because again, my generation from the eighties, I was raised all through the nineties with video games. Excuse me. Game consoles were, were my life and playing video games was my life, you know? And that's kind of one thing that I was really interested in that I didn't know was an actual job. I didn't know people could actually do that. And I didn't really discover that until later on because I never really had thought about it. You know, so when I hit 26, 27, I was like, holy crap, you know, I can learn how to do these things. I could learn how to build programs. I could learn. And it's funny because, you know, I, I was doing this thing, this process called UML, and I didn't even realize I was doing it. Even during my writing, when I was uh, practicing writing, this is the way that you know, I would outline my, um, my stories and my books and, and all that stuff. I would, you know, use this process called UML and the same thing with my construction jobs. You know, I would actually break them down into those, those categories and I would connect them all depending on, you know, what needed to be done. I would do it on a time frame, um, and a time, uh, a time basis and also through what jobs were relative and what jobs needed to be done from the ceiling to the floor pretty much, right? So what I did was I learned a lot about structural um, engineering as far as, you know, how to start from the planning process through the UML up until the actual uh, building process. And that happens in every facet of life. And I learned that most importantly through business planning as well. Um, so the UML coupled with the business planning really kind of made me um, consider learning even more about business and studying more about business and looking into um, looking into different ways to implement different strategies and you know how different companies implement implement different strategies depending on their uh, 
depending on their their um, their process or depending on their products or their service, you know, there would be different strategies involved. And you know, I loved it, and still to this day, I do it. You know, I, I read every single day. I listen to audio books. I I study um, other people's videos, and I study. Uh, I, I I watch seminars. I do online courses. I do it all. You know, and I'm constantly in that process of learning and um and and, and development. And it feels awesome because, you know, when you're able to keep up with the times, and again, that was my biggest, um, my biggest insecurity was being able to keep up the times, just like any other entrepreneur, right? Any other business owner, you want to be able, that has to be one of your passions is to keep up to date with the times. In other words, keeping up to date with trends, you need to know what consumers want. And this kind of blossomed from my childhood of, of filling that need, you know, filling that void that people ask for or different things you hear people you know, just complaining about certain things and it kind of prompts you into action. It prompts you into filling that void and that need. And these are things that I learned through the, all the years that, you know, um, all the years of, of just wanting to work for myself, to be on my own time, to experience that sense of freedom and that, and that, um, and that, and that, you know, that sense of liberty that you have in choosing and building things that, uh, that, that other people want. Right. And you kind of, you still have to, you still have to fall in line with, you know, the consumer. You still have a boss, right? Even if you have your own business, you still have a boss, and that boss is the client and the consumer. So, with that being said, you know, although you are liberated from having to follow rules and procedures and being stuffed in a box, you still are, you know, in the box. But um, it just so happens that you own that box, and that box um, could be shaped by you. You know, you can cut the top off if you want. You can make holes in it if you want. You can, you know, so the box becomes something different. It doesn't become something that, you know, becomes uh, a hindrance, right? It doesn't become something that traps you. It becomes something as a tool, right? It becomes almost like a tool that you could use to um, better attract people to your box. So again, it's that one principle that, I fell in love with when it came down to trying to establish a business and be being a business owner or, or even developing myself through, through entrepreneurship, you know, to be able to attract people to me, to my brand, to the way that I carry myself. And, you know, eventually that kind of spills into the way you do business. And that becomes, you know, you, you and your business, you know, end up holding hands, you, you walking down the street hand in hand, right. And other consumers and other clients see that. And they, when they see that, that you and your business work in tandem, they have a certain level of respect that, you know, in, in many ways than not, they show it through investing in you. They show it in paying attention to you. And these are the things that you have to develop through the process of personal growth and then leading into entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship, taking that dive into, into business. You know, sometimes we do it backwards. Sometimes we don't know what it's like to be an entrepreneur and we, and we strictly just jump into business. And business is not as logical as it seems. It's actually not very logical whatsoever. It's actually a very creative process. And a lot of people confuse it with, uh, with a very logical process. There are very, uh, a large amount, or should I say, there are a varying and also a large amount of logical processes that happen within a business. But the majority of it needs to be uh, created, right? So you have these people that are you know, entrepreneurs who have these ideas and they implement these ideas and they create these things, right? And these things eventually turn into procedural things because they ended up working. But see, the difference between a stagnant business and a growing business is the entrepreneur that is running the business. If it is a business manager, best believe that your business is going to become stagnant because a business manager only knows how to follow logical procedures. So an entrepreneur, like people like CEOs that have these great ideas and they implement these great ideas, you know, to create new programs, to create new strategies and all these things, you know, they have the control to be able to do this. And they are the closest thing that you're going to get in a, in a, you know, a big corporation or whatever to, to an entrepreneur. You know, they are the entrepreneurs that have built the experience, but the entrepreneurs that also got kind of burnt out, like they, they realized that, hey, they're not going to be able to run this thing on their own, right? So they need an institution to be able to you know, work in, and they need an institution that's already established that has those procedural things that they can build on. Whereas entrepreneur is somebody who is strictly an entrepreneur at heart is that person that built that company from the ground up in order to be able to, you know, give that type of job to that CEO. 
So with that being said, you have to go through that process. It has to be a personal growth into entrepreneurship and then into business, um, into business mode. But, you know, the entrepreneur knows when to move on. And that's the biggest value of being an entrepreneur is you can change boxes, right? <laughs> and, and that's one of the, you know, the, the thing that people are most attracted to. But they don't realize how much work actually goes into the process of, you know, creating those, um, those jobs and creating that, um, that process or going through the process and then creating, you know, a new company after you've already established one. You know, and a lot of people, they'll do it. You know, a lot, of, a lot of logical people, a lot of managers will try to start a business and think that, you know, it's just going to, you know, it's just going to happen. They think that, you know, it's supposed to be that way because they've been working for somebody so long that they think that these things are something that just, you know, happen overnight. And the reality is it takes a lot of troubleshooting. It takes a lot of, um, it takes a lot of reality checks. It takes a lot of failures in order to overcome a lot of those boundaries to even implement those procedures to begin with because before that one procedure that works you know tremendously was implemented in that fact in the in that company right um it, it went through so many different variations and it was actually a lifelong goal for that entrepreneur who created that strategy to 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 be able to implement right it, it was a lifelong goal for them to be able to make that climb to be able to give that type of process or to give that type of product or that service to any um any consumer or any client and Again, the biggest thing is entrepreneurs know that it's not only the clients and the consumer, right? That it's not only about the clients and the consumer. It's also about the employees, the people who they can influence to be able to be just as inspired as the, as the customers and as the clients should be inspired, right? So it starts internally for any company, but the entrepreneur also knows it starts within themselves and then they make that growth, all right? So this is something that I feel like some people are just naturally um, naturally talented in the, in the, in the process of, you know, wanting to fill that need. Other people just really don't feel the need, you know, and, and no pun intended, but they just don't feel the need to fill the need, you know? And with that being said, it takes, you know, sometimes for people to experience life, they go to work for somebody for 30 years and they realize, Hey, this company is not really at all what I am. It doesn't represent me. I don't represent it. And it takes 30 years for you to discover that, hey, this is just, you know, even though you didn't have that entrepreneurial bug in the beginning, you know, you ended up discovering that, hey, maybe I could be a little bit more creative with my time, right? And then you rediscover that hobby and you find a great uh, thing to do. You find the why in your life. You find, you know, fulfillment and you find that happiness. And But sometimes it, you just have to go through that process. Some people just learn it quicker than others. And I talk about it. You know, in my other podcasts where I, you know, I compare, you know, 10,000 hours versus practice. I mean, um, 10,000 hours of practice versus talent. And, you know, talent is great, but it's only going to get you so far. Talent is only going to get you through the door. Now, imagine this. You go into a building, you get through the door with that talent ticket, right? And, and it's great because that talent ticket is worth 10,000 hours of practice. And then you walk into that building and you see other people who are just as talented, if not more, Right. And then you realize how much practice you have to you, you have to do on top of that to become the best one in the room, right? To become the smartest one in the room, you have to practice. So, you know, in comparison, you have to realize that practice, some people just get, they understand their talent in the very beginning, and then they practice that talent. And my biggest inspiration for that is Michael Jordan. You know, it's amazing how people thought he was this, you know, most magnificently talented person. And even if he was talented to begin with, he practiced day in and day out, you know, and with that, you know, even with that, you know, lifelong practice, he still, you know, wasn't at where he wanted to be. He still got cut from his, what, his high school team, I think it was, you know, and I, I, I don't even think he got to, or at least at first, he wasn't even chosen to go to school for the college that he wanted to go to, um, to begin with. And then on top of that, he made it to the NBA after struggling to go through and struggling practice and all that stuff. And then he finally, you know, gets to the level where he wins a championship and he's still not happy and he still pushes forward and he still goes on to win five more after this. And then, you know, he's still not happy because he's put into the Hall of Fame and he's realizing like, hey, you, you know, it, it's just amazing because a lot of people who he was around, which were extremely talented, they got to the positions that they were at, you know, through whatever reasons they got there, but it wasn't through the passion that he developed through the practice that he put in. 
And this is what happens to entrepreneurs. This is how you get from personal growth into entrepreneurship is that talent needs to lead you in, in, into, into, the, into the direction of practicing. You know, that lifelong study, that lifelong learning. And this is the one thing that most people don't have in mind. They're very goal-oriented and they say, okay, I want to start a business and this business, I want to make this and that amount of money. And then they get to that point and they don't have uh, an exit strategy for that, right? They don't really know what to do with themselves after this. This is why personal growth and development is extremely important in the beginning, developing those good habits, those lifelong habits that will eventually translate into a good entrepreneurial experience. Because that good entrepreneurial experience is something that you want to revisit. So when you become, you know, when you develop into a business, when you, you know, establish a business, you want to be able to revisit that entrepreneurial experience in order to be able to re um, to reestablish your, your business strategies, to reinvent your business. And without that, you're not going to be able to succeed and you won't be able to, to progress and, and, to, and to predict those future trends for your customers and clients. And, and even so, it'll get boring for your employees as well. You know? And with that being said, you kind of hit this wall. And, and like I did, I, I thought that you know when I started my clothing company, I thought that it was going to be from point A to point B. And then we'll see when, uh, we'll, we'll see when point B gets here, what we're going to do for point C. Uh, and no pun intended for that either, right? So, you know, having that lifelong process of learning and rediscovering, and I and I talk about this as well all the time, is the destructive and then the reconstruction um, of of your persona, of your character. And the way that happens is through failure, right? It's You hear it all the time. Failure, failure, failure. Failure is good. Failure is bad. Failure, whatever, for failure, whatever the value that you see failure for, the way I attribute that to your life and your personal growth is the deconstructive phase. So anything that you fail in or anything that you feel like you're failing in is the deconstructive phase. Now, this deconstructive phase can keep deconstructing you. It could keep, you know, tearing everything apart. And, and, and before you know it, you're just going to you're going to fall into the depths of, of, of eternal depression and stress. And you're not going to be able to climb back out. Because you're not going to be faced with the reality of the reconstructive process. You're just going to be stuck going back and forth from the deconstructive to the deconstructive, if that makes any sense, you know? So in other words, you're only seeing in one direction. You're not seeing that the deconstructive is going to lead back into the constructive. And I had this one, um, this one, well, I, I definitely go by this mantra, which is fail towards success, right? You need to fail to greatness. And that's the reality. And the way you do that is you have to have that mentality that, you know, the failure is, is, is momentary, just like pain. You hear this over and over again. You know, pain is, is temporary. You know, success is something that's built through the process, but success is not the end goal. And this is the biggest mistake I made as well, is setting goals thinking that success was going to be, was going to be measured at the end. And it's not true. Success is not measured at the end. Success is measured in the process. Success is measured in the failures. Success is measured in the, the tenacity. Success is measured in the persistence and the, and the determination that you have in going through the process. Now, all of this doesn't have to be too extreme. All it has to do is be resilient. That's all you have to be is just uh, resilient. You have to be persistent and just be resilient. So anytime failure knocks on your doorstep, you take a look and you meet the challenge, but then you also set that bar further into the future. Because again, you know, every... Every, uh, how is this? Every, oh, geez, I forgot my expression. I, I wrote something down the other day and I thought it was very interesting. I was like, wow, it made me think, you know, it, 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 I created this, 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 this piece, this, these words. And I, I even had to sit back and think about it for a minute, which was, um, oh, geez, what was it? It was, um, oh, today's, today's, uh, oh, oh man, uh, today, um, Something, something about tomorrow's victory. Jeez. Oh, yeah, I don't even have the notebook here with me, but um, I wrote a quote. It's up on my uh, my social media um, network. Um, oh, yeah, which brings me to the point. Uh, in closing, I'm going to have to say that, you know, the biggest takeaway for this is that, you know, there are three stages to everybody's life. Whether you consider them or not, it really doesn't matter because uh, what's going to happen is you're going to live them. So, whether you can see them, whether you predict them or whatever it is, you're still going to experience them, whether you know how to label them or not. But the first one is the personal growth, right? That's, that's what we all go through. 
you know, but we tend to attribute that one thing to childhood and, you know, that's where our personal growth happens. It kind of stops happening after high school where you're just, you take on a job or you go to college. And if you're lucky, you can go to college, you actually extend that personal growth process because you realize, and this is the why people, this is the main reason why people who go to college are so successful is because they realize that they extend that personal growth and that it could become a lifelong experience to constantly extend that personal growth process, you know, and you know, it becomes very limiting when you, you know, graduate high school and you take on a job and, you know, you kind of faced with this reality that, oh, you're not going to grow anymore and this is where you're going to be and you're kind of stuck, right? You don't realize that at first when you start your job because it's great. It's a great feeling. You graduate high school, you start working before you know it, five years have passed and, you know, you, you buy yourself a little car and you have an apartment and all this stuff is starting to work out for you. But then 10 years comes down and you're like, holy crap, I'm still in the same place, right? And that personal growth process had stopped and that's why you capped yourself. You know, you capped your mindset and you put yourself in a position to constantly be in that deconstructive phase now. This is the moment here that you need to look into the future, right? And you need to tell yourself, okay, well, this is now, now's the time to set new goals. Okay, what do I want to do? What am I good at? It's time to create a new hustle. It's time to become that entrepreneur, right? It's time to face the direction of being that entrepreneur. Come up with a heart, with a side hustle and, you know, really buckle down on a hobby and, 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 and try to teach that hobby to somebody else because it's going to make you feel like you're growing. It's going to make you feel, it's going to put you in a position of being a mentor and it's going to make you consider um, your personal growth even further. So with that being said, you know, try to do it a little earlier in life, you know, really put yourself in that position to learn more early for the rest of your life and change those little habits that you have. Okay. So anyway, with that being said, let's get on to the, uh, to the ending here. And the ending is, uh, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, Snapchat. And also, um, I have some groups on Facebook as well. One of them is the E flunky and the other one is at idea chat, or should I say, go back to that first one at the E flunky and at idea dot chat. And that's idea, uh, spelt out dot I mean, so idea dot spelt out chat and, um, what else? Oh, the website, right? <laughs> the website. I have two websites that you can visit. Um, and if you want to check out my shirts, you can check them out at funfart.com. And also if you want to check out some other things, like, um, I, I read a bunch of books and I put up some weekly stuff on my website for the different types of books that, um, that I've read and that I'm into. And, um, you can check them out, you know, check out my little bookshelf at, at, uh, the eflunky.com and that's the eflunky. That's T H E E F L U N K Y.com. And that's the eflunky.com. Okay. So, um, I appreciate you guys sticking through this, uh, through this podcast, man. I really appreciate you guys. And we are all on our way towards success. So guess what? Fail towards greatness. And the best thing that you can do is reconstruct after deconstructing. So keep that in mind. And also sip a sip of coffee. As long as you're not allergic to it, by all means, enjoy. All right, people, take care. And I'll be talking to you soon.